This episode of All Things History with Amhissa was made in association with the University of Manitoba History Students Association. The University of Manitoba campuses are located on the original lands of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. We respect the treaties that were made on these territories, we acknowledge the harms and mistakes of the past, and we dedicate ourselves to moving forward in partnership with Indigenous communities in a spirit of reconciliation and collaboration. Hello everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of All Things History with Amhissa. I am your host, Hannah Bolek. Today we will be talking all about museums with Alana Hereda and Jennifer Maxwell, the curators of the Transcona Museum. So welcome Alana and Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to uh, talk about museums. Mm -hmm. So what does your everyday work involve? For me, as the curator here at the museum, I oversee everything that happens here at the museum. I'm in charge of operations. Um, I am the one who can accept new items into the collection. Um, So there is no like typical every like typical day here at the museum just because there's only two staff and we wear a lot of hats. So we do a lot of different things every day, but like right now, I'm working on a number of grant applications. Uh, we're planning for education programs this fall, planning for a remembrance exhibit, and then thinking about new exhibits for the future, processing the collections that we have. We have a new database, so we're updating that and cleaning up those records. So there's a lot of stuff that we do every day. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jen? You all, Well, you both wear a lot of hats, but is there anything you specifically focus on more? Um, Well, as my title suggests, I assist um, Alana as the assistant curator. Um, You know, my day is just as varied as Alana's. Uh, Right now I'm working on database cleanup um, with our collections. Um, I also jump back and forth doing social media for the museum. Um, I do other types of tasks like uh, environmental monitoring um, about once a month. Um, We do Programs, usually in the summer, we do a lot of uh, different programs, but in the fall, we're going to be switching over to other um, programming, um, like our small talk series that we do, so thinking about new um, topics for that, and yeah, hoping to really gear up with a lot of education programs in the fall. If I I were to work in a museum, hopefully in the future, um, I think wearing a lot of hats is kind of nice because you, you get to experience a little bit of everything and you're not I mean some people might like this being deeply focused on one thing but for me and probably for you guys I assume as well you kind of like having the variation in your everyday and getting to experience like working in a museum as a whole and getting to do a little bit of everything. There's definitely pros and cons to it. The pro is yes we get to do everything. Our museum doesn't have a large budget so we do everything as as much as we can and only contract out the few things that we can't do. The con is you don't get to spend a lot of time doing all of the jobs. You really have to manage your time. So you might really want to focus on one thing, but you just don't have the time to do it. You can just Mm -hmm. do what you can and then you have to move on to the next task that needs to get done. Mm -hmm. So pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. So how long have you both been working in the field? Have you worked at both 
a bigger museum and a smaller museum like the Transcona Museum? I, my, one of my very first jobs ever was actually in a museum. Uh, I grew up in Saskatchewan, so I had a summer job at the Western Development Museum in Moose Jaw. So that was one of my first jobs. I was a programming assistant. With my schooling, I did a number of internships. So I did some with Parks Canada. I did some internships at, it was then the Museum of Civilization. It's now the Canadian Museum of History. So that is a much larger organization. Mm -hmm. And I was working in the archaeology collections. So uh, very specific stuff to what I was doing in a much larger, you like, it, there were security doors. You couldn't just go into a into a collections room unless your key opened up the door. Like mm -hmm. very different than um, like a smaller a smaller place. Um, I worked for Parks Canada up in the Yukon. So I that's a larger organization, but there were smaller a number of smaller buildings throughout. Um, I was doing conservation up there, um, but that was very focused work that I was doing. Um, and then here where it's a smaller, so I, I do have a mix of both. Mm -hmm. Um, thinking about it, I've probably been in the museum field for on and off for about 13 years. Um, I started out, my first museum job was, um, the curator at the Manitoba Softball Hall of Fame Museum in Portage the Prairie, and that's housed on site at the Fort Lorraine Museum. So the summer after that, I was working for the Fort Lorraine Museum. Um, over a number of years. Then through my schooling, I've also worked for, um, I worked in archives, so the National Ballet of Canada archives, which was amazing. Um, so that was a larger organization because it's a ballet company, but it's a small, it was a smaller, you know, department because I'm working just specifically within the archive. So I could focus a lot of my work um, on that. Um, being at the Fort Lorraine Museum, it was definitely a lot more hat wearing, um, being a summer student there. So we would do grounds maintenance, we would do the tours, uh, looking after the buildings and the collections, doing database work, um, fielding research questions. Um, and then did my schooling in Ontario um, at the uh, University of Toronto for the Masters of Museum Studies program. and. Right after I graduated, I got the job here at the Transcona Museum. So I've been very fortunate in my, my museum work has, and archival work has been somewhat steady. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you uh, attended the University of Toronto, the Museum Studies Master's Program. Uh, so maybe describe a little bit of your education backgrounds. Both of you uh, maybe elaborate a bit more just because a lot of students are listening and I'm sure they're, uh, especially if you're in history, maybe you're interested in going into museum field. There are many different avenues to getting into um, museum work, and I know both of you have very kind of different uh, ways that you got into museum work, so if you could maybe elaborate a bit more on that. Uh, sure. So, uh, like I said, I kind of started um, my out in the museum field, and then um, that was the summer just before I started at, the, at Brandon University. I did a um, Bachelor of History, um, so did my four years there, and then after I finished at Brandon University, I did my Master's of History at Queen's University in Kingston. So that was a year-long program, um, and then when I was done there, I took a year off, decided um, I didn't want to keep in the history field. Um, I really enjoyed working um, for museums, um, working with hands-on history, basically. Um, so I decided to do museum studies instead. 
So I applied to the University of Toronto, um, was accepted there. So I did two years of my program there, uh, which I absolutely loved. Um, so I not only got to, you know, do an internship, which was the ballet um, archives, um, I also volunteered for a year at the Royal Ontario Museum, um, did some other volunteer work here and there through the program um, at different institutions. So I did my two years there. And then, like I said, when I graduated, I got the job here. So and I've been here for about five years now. I think I just, just celebrated five years. Uh, so that was my path. Mm -hmm. For me, I have a degree in classical and Near Eastern archaeology from the University of Saskatchewan. Um, and when I graduated with that, I actually went to BC and I worked out there for about 18 months. And then um, I wanted to travel. So I went to Australia. And actually, while I was in Australia, I had a six-week contract that I did at the Australian Credit Union Archives in Sydney. Um, just helping them uh, organize their collection that they had there. Uh, and I knew I wanted to do museum work, so I had even applied um, for my program before I even went to Australia. Um, going back a bit, one of my summer jobs that I had, um, I helped fill in at the Western Development Museum in Moose Jaw. For some reason, they need someone to help fill in with collections, so I was hired just for once a week to go in and dust the collections. but. Doing that, I was like, yeah, I like this hands-on <laughs> stuff with artifacts. So talking to the collections manager that they had there, he's like, oh, I did the Algonquin College program. So I definitely knew about that one. So after I graduated, I worked in BC, traveled. I knew I wanted to do that program. I got in. So Algonquin College is a three-year program, but if you have a university degree, it's only two. So I got into the advanced stream because I already had my degree. And um, that's in Ottawa. And uh, so I did that program with that at the time. Uh, I did three internships throughout the time in that program, a six week internship uh, in my first year, which I did at Parks Canada in our conservation lab. And then my second year, we had an eight week, uh, which I did at the Museum of Civ or Canadian uh, History Museum. And then we had a small collections internship that we had to do as well, which I also did at the Museum of Civilization, Canadian History Museum. Um, so that program, it's, uh, that program is essentially, if you know you're going to work or you have a desire to work in a smaller museum, that program is really great because there were classes on like grant writing and program building and exhibits and conservation and collections. So it's good all around education. But even since I finished, I continuously do professional development and I've taken courses through CCI, the Canadian uh, Conservation Institute. I've taken courses through the AMA, the Association for Manitoba Archives, and courses through the AMM, the Association for Manitoba Museums. So I'm continuously taking extra professional development courses as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are quite different paths um, and they kind of have pros and cons to each um, and I'm considering in the future um, I actually worked here at the Transcona Museum uh, this summer as the museum educator 
and that kind of uh, sparked my interest in definitely wanting to go into the museum field and uh, my plan right now obviously subject to change but I'm kind of taking a different approach to um, eventually go into the museum field as well. I'm planning on getting my education degree after I finish my uh, history honors degree and then getting my master's in museum education at uh, I think the program is at UBC so um, that's kind of a different section of the museum field so there's a lot of different options so what would you guys say are kind of the pros and cons to the programs that you did um, in comparison to each other one's at Algonquin College is more like <laughs> hands-on um, and maybe the master's program at the U of T is more uh, what would you say like not less hands-on but there were definitely hands-on components but not mm -hmm. as much as Alana's program allowed um, so perhaps a bit more theoretical um, right in its in its teachings I don't regret doing the program no because well, it got not. me here yeah um, but yeah that hands-on component uh, would have been would have been nice having a bit more opportunity to do that mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely a lot of hands-on like we had a hands-on lab for um, exhibits where we learned all the different techniques of mounting things and using um, building if you needed to build something this is how you do it this is how you properly use a table saw and a van saw and a scroll saw and a skill saw all of that um, this is how you can use computer programs to design your exhibit panels and stuff like that I uh, had conservation lab classes where we learned you know like what conservation is and preventive conservation but then we also had treatment classes where we learned how to treat iron artifacts and ceramics and paper and not as in-depth as some other programs that are actually uh, available in Canada too, but I also, I was definitely on a strong conservation path um, because I really like that hands-on aspect of it. Um, the work I did in Parks Canada and one of my internships was all conservation work. Um, but then I was like, okay, I'm also going to do some focusing on collections because there aren't that many conservation jobs out there or mm -hmm. I want to have as wide a skill set as possible. Now, my program has changed since I've done it. Uh, we, when I was going through it, we had a special project that we had to do that um, I wrote a interpretive plan for the dredge number four out in Dawson City. So to me that I consider that my thesis, even though it's it's not technically a, a thesis, but you know, it, that was a year long process of writing that plan and researching it and I had to present it. And I don't really have any negatives to my program. I think you come out of my program with a really good skill set of what you need to do in any aspect of museum work. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big promoter of my program. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I Obviously, I think both programs are extremely valuable and are great ways to, you know, get into the museum field. Uh, but I guess it just depends on your personal preference as well. Maybe you prefer more of like a research theoretical based program. Maybe that's your thing if you like more hands-on stuff too. So there's options to consider depending on what you like for sure. There's also the the, the Fleming program uh, at Sir Stanford Fleming where they're, they actually have two museum programs. They have a, a management, museum management program, and they have a collections and conservation program. 
So those also have long internships as well. So it's it's also another program. So mm-hmm. there's there's a few uh, in Canada, but Algonquin seems to be the less well known one. So that's the one I'm always <laughs> promoting. But it mm-hmm. it's a good program. The the thing that really attracted me to the U of T program was um, there you can decide to do a, a like a research paper a thesis based stream. Or you can do the exhibition stream, which is what I chose. Oh. So for my la- second year, um, it's an all-year course, and you basically are building an exhibition from start to finish. Um, so I had a great team of colleagues that I worked with. We built our exhibition basically out of our experiences through our internship. Um, I was at the ballet archives. I had another uh, one of my partners was at the ballet school. In the she was doing fundraising and development. Uh, we had another um, do programming work at the theater school. Um, I think it was the theater school, and then um, our fourth was uh, doing collections work at a small history museum in the city. So we all had uh, different perspectives that we were coming into it. But yeah, we're basically building this uh, exhibit from start to finish, and we, you know, we had to come up with our idea, our our plan for it. We had to pitch it. We had to decide how we were going to produce it. So we actually hired a graphic designer. To help to design it you know we had to field images and some collections and you know we had to figure out how we were going to fundraise our money and um, what printers we were going to go with and how we were going to install it where we were going to install it so we had to so it was a great year-long uh, experience basically combining all the stuff that we've been learning the year before and coming out of our internship and coming out with this exhibit that we were really proud of in the end so mm-hmm. that was a big sell of that program would you say that exhibition work now is your favorite part of the job (laughs) well it's it's exhibition renewal time here at the museum is a very different time um we're not open to the public when we're when we're redoing our exhibits so um we're doing that we're having to pull all the artifacts that are on display you know checking them to make sure that they have their accession numbers and you know looking at their condition and then putting them back and pulling out the new ones and there's painting and you know we've built wooden structures before and so because it's not that date you know even though our day-to-day is not the same mm-hmm. it is that this really great little break that we get where we get to do these hands-on things that we don't get to do all the time and it's so satisfying though too once you your exhibit opens and you're just looking at like wow we created this like mm-hmm. We wrote the text, we designed the panels. The only thing we ever get done out of house is the printing of the panels. We do it all. Mm-hmm. We move the cases around, we built a platform, like we do all these things and it's just, it's different. And I think that's why it's also maybe part of our favorites. And you know, like we have music playing and it's, it's just a different thing, but that's just us here at this museum. A lot of other museums actually don't close down when they change over their exhibit. Because when we change our exhibits here, we're changing the whole museum. Mm-hmm. So we can't be open and like just working in the back gallery. Um, we don't have like a permanent gallery like other museums. So they might close their temporary galleries to change those, but their, their, their main gallery is still open, whereas we have to shut down the whole place. So... That, that makes it a little different and that's our experience here it would not be the same experience at the manitoba museum or even delnavert or the wag every, every place is going to be different but that's how it works here and it's i i have a lot of fun during exhibit renewal time and every couple of years we also get to renew our remembrance week exhibit 
um, which is a very different type of exhibit because it's more um, more of a traveling exhibit. More of a traveling exhibit. So the the latest one we did was a pop up. Their pop up banner. So that was really fun coming up with the the you know the template design and then plugging in our information and our images and stuff like that. So that was a, probably a month long process for our last one. Uh, I mean, we had actually been working on it far longer because we got a grant mm-hmm. for it. So we essentially had the plan for what was going to be included in the exhibit done. Uh, but once we actually started building and designing that one, we completely changed the design. Uh, we, the one that we had submitted with the grant application, we liked at the time and then yeah, yeah, we looked at it and it was like, well, maybe we can tweak this a little bit. And what we ended up with was in my mind, a far superior design. Mm -hmm. All the information was the same and we were still telling the same stories. It's just Mm -hmm. the way we presented it. And that one was, yeah, it was a couple months of like intense work. Um, but it didn't involve painting or or anything like that just getting the design but when we're doing something like that for that exhibit we're making sure that all of them have elements that are the same mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's making sure that you're and it's the same when we're building an exhibit here but okay so the font is all the same size we're all using the same colors everywhere we're we're underlining the same things and all those little touches so that's the it's part of it that can take a while to like final approval, but that that exhibit looks so good, and we were days away from opening it when we got shut down last year. So hopefully, it'll be up this this Remembrance Week. Let's hope, because yeah, a lot of work was definitely put in. Yeah, that. it looks so good, and that's the so thing good. too. Like once we send things off to the printer, and we're only seeing them on the computer screen, and so we're like, yeah, it looks good on the computer, and we like how this looks. And then when we get it in person, and you're just like, yes. That looks good. It's so good. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, what we really love about Exhibit Renewal is just the chance to be more creative than mm-hmm. we are on our daily on a daily basis. So we can just be like, all right, let's do this. Let's mm-hmm. let's think outside the box and what can we do? That that's very true because um, even when we're we're doing exhibit renewal here at the museum, what we think our design's gonna look like when we start off is usually never how it actually ends up. We tweak it and we work on it and you take time away from it and then you come back and you're like, no, I'm, I'm not happy with this. I want this. Um, but one of the hardest things of the whole exhibit renewal is coming up with titles. Yeah. Titles are the worst. <laughs> yep. What is the title of our exhibit going to be? We know we're telling this story, but you want that catchy title and, and stuff. So that is usually a few hours <laughs> of back and forth. And what about this? And just like word play and trying to come up with something. And we, we always do, but it's, that's that's a bit of a process. Well, this one had, I think, three or four different titles before we decided on it, our current one. Yeah. Other ones, it's just like, this is the title idea. Great, love it. And it never changes. Like, yeah. you get it right off the bat, or it's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to say? <laughs> well, like, this one, we had the idea of what the exhibit was going to be, because it was going to be a Manitoba 150 exhibit. And so we're like, okay, well, let's celebrate Manitoba 150 looking at our collection. Okay, great. You know, and like, what are the different collections we have that can help celebrate Manitoba 150? But then we're like, okay, how do we say that in a short, concise little title? So it eventually came to collecting Transcona Connecting Manitoba. But it took a long time to get there. Yeah, that's (laughs) a good title, though. I really like that title. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a, 
a lot of people have this misconception about museums and museum work that it's all very like dry and uncreative and like oh just put the item on display and tell what it's about like but the creation of an exhibit to have like a connecting idea to even like the little technical things like you said like um having the same colors having the same font it it's an immense amount of work that requires a lot of creativity and a lot of thought in general to just connect um artifacts and different pieces in the collection um i think i think museum work is the perfect way to apply um like a history degree you know an anthropology degree whatever you have um in a in a practical way that's not necessarily you just doing research or being like more going to like an academic field being a professor that kind of thing um it's a perfect way to apply it in a practical and creative way for sure so do you have any suggestions um or advice for people looking to go into the museum field my first thing is make sure that you try either volunteer yep or get a summer job working in a museum to make sure this is something you actually like because you might have an idea of what yes i want to go into museums and i want to do collections and then you get there and you're like yeah i don't actually really like this i actually like this aspect of it or um you might find that you know what nope this isn't for you so definitely um go to a museum and try out different kinds of museums too. Like mm -hmm. we're a small community museum. Uh, if you can maybe try to do some volunteering at a larger organization or maybe even an art gallery, they all do things a little differently. So you might be able to find your niche that way, but definitely try to get some experience first. Mm -hmm. And I always tell uh, people take advantage of any like behind the scenes tours that they're going to do or um, talks about museum work and stuff like that, because then you're really getting a insider's perspective um, on the nature of the work. At the U of M, I think there's even um, some 4,000 level courses running. Uh, there's one running right now uh, on intro to archival studies. So if you're more interested in the archival side, maybe a course like that would interest you. Yeah, uh, taking advantage of any courses as well that have to do with the archives or museums. Uh, I would suggest being a student at the U of I, I think, too, um, sometimes, I know, like, the U of S, it had an archaeology museum on campus. So maybe that's, you know, you're on campus a lot. If you're doing your schooling, you might be able to volunteer there. Or even sometimes some of the professors may have things that, it's not really museum-related, but it kind of is in your field. Like, I can remember volunteering to help try to piece together pottery in the archaeology department like you know then we had to number the pieces of pottery so that's you know we do that those sorts of things with accessioning but you have that experience then you can take it to a museum to maybe help you get a volunteer position or a, a summer position contract position there and then see how it is but definitely try it out first because mm -hmm. I definitely wanted was like I'm gonna do conservation and I am not doing <laughs> conservation now but I don't, I still love what I do. Mm -hmm. Physical museums, they're not all physical, right? Uh, that sounds very clunky to me to say. Um, but I worked for a digital archive uh, for my last year at the U of T. Um, so it was all hosted online. So there was no physical location you could go visit for a lot of these holdings. Thinking outside the box of a brick and mortar museum as well, mm -hmm. um, or archive. Um, so 
uh, looking if you're really into the into digital and online and a lot of museums are moving in that direction um, that's something to consider too so seeking those out and trying to you know ask questions volunteer work for some of those um, those institutions as well mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely gonna become more prominent as the world becomes more digital and COVID, you know, not being able to go into physical museums. Um, I know uh, the uh, collections assistant this summer worked a lot on our the Transcona Museum digital database and working with that. So it's definitely a, a more prominent part of museums. Well, part of our new database that we're um, it's being designed and created. So it's, it's not live yet, but there will be a public portal where people can access uh, items in our collection to, to get the history of them. So we can share them with more people um, than if you just came into the museum. And what a lot of people don't realize is less than 10% of a museum's mm -hmm. collection is actually on display at one time. There's no way any museum or most museums can display <laughs> all of their collections at one time. So it's a way for our collections to be uh, available to the public, but our, it won't just solely be our museum. We partnered with five other organizations to build this database. So it'll also be the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame and the Crafts Museum and the Polish Museum and, um, and where more museums are actually joining into this database. So there will be, we're hoping to, the end goal is to have a, a database where you can go and see the collections through Manitoba that are held in all these small to mid-sized museums. Um, if you want a, an example of that, where it's, it's more province-wide, uh, we based ours off the Nova Scotia yeah. uh, Museum's uh, model. Nova Scotia and Saskatchewan both have uh, province-wide um, searchable databases. Uh, Nova Scotia's is called Nova Muse. Uh, Saskatchewan's, I don't know what theirs is called, um, but it's... Is the Yukon's moving in that direction too, isn't it? There's right? a lot that's actually kind of happening across the province, and there's actually museums in the states that are doing it too. So, I mean, it, it, you know, big dream. Big future <laughs> dream is one Canadian, and there used to be a Canadian database where museums could input their collections to be searchable, but that I don't believe is still working anymore. But to connect all these museums that have these provincial-wide databases and connect them into one Canadian database would be amazing too. Because mm -hmm. we're all using the same database platform. That's, right. that's why it would be hypothetically easy to connect them, potentially, in the future. Yeah, that's a, it's a great way to spark intrigue um, about history and museums in general, in the general public. So I'm really excited for that to kind of... Uh, become more popular or more widespread. Now let's get into some like fun questions about the museum. We talked about how like less than 10% of the of museum's artifacts are on display. How many artifacts does the Transcona Museum have and what is your favorite? Well we have over 50,000 artifacts and archival materials here at the museum and they're all stored on site except for one which is the CN2747 which is a historic steam locomotive. It was the first steam locomotive built in the western region by CN and it was built right here in Transcona. So that is actually on display in Rotary Heritage Park on Plessy's Road but everything else is stored here at the museum. My favorite artifact is one of the weirdest ones we have in the collection and a bit of a head scratcher going like, really? We have that? Why? 
And we have a fetal beluga whale in a jar. And that is my favorite. Mm-hmm. For those questions like why and yeah. how. And uh, through my research, it seems like that came in at the same time that the Patterson Collection came into the museum, which is a Manitoba archaeological collection that used to travel around schools. So my best guess is it was traveling around the schools. And when I was going to school, science rooms all had a room with things in jars. And I think at some point it just got mixed in with the collection and ended up here. That's that's my Mm. best guess. That's yep. That's interesting. When it's on, it's on display right now, and I know every time people walk by it, they're like, "What is that?" There's also uh, an article about it in Atlas Obscura online. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think mine would be the first mayor of Transcona's chair. The the first mayor of the town of Transcona was Colin J. Maxwell of no relation. Um, <laughs> he was mayor for about eight months in 1912, and he decided not to run again, um, even though the town was, you know, please run again, please run again. They really liked him, but he said no. So they gave him the mayor's chair anyway. They physically gave it to him, um, and it's this wooden leather chair, and it traveled with him to Montreal and Quebec, and then it came back to Manitoba, and then it ended up all the way out in B.C., um, so this chair has, you know, over a hundred year history. It's in great condition, but a couple of years ago we got an email saying, Hey, we have the first mayor of Transcona's chair. Would, we're going to be, you know, coming to Winnipeg. Would you like it for the museum? And it was like, absolutely. And it has the plaque on it. So it's easy to authenticate and it's a great piece of early Transcona history, but also it has this crazy travel story and how it ended up back here. Um, so you know, every artifact has a story. And if you take the time to listen and find out that story, it just makes the artifact so much more, right? You look at it, you think it's just a chair. It's just a chair. But it has this incredible story behind it, and that's what draws people in. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important that we yes. get those stories. Yes. Yes. And not exactly. random drop-offs at the door. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, but now I want to ask you, okay, what okay. was your favorite <laughs> okay. artifact? Well... Um, I got to look through a lot of photographs in our uh, database, and I-, I love all of them because it to me it like brings to life like the past, and I just really enjoy like looking at them, and getting to see all the people or the places, and how things have stayed the same, how things have changed, um, and especially when there's a lot of detail on you know who's in the photograph, what's happening. I love that. So pretty much any photograph, I would, could just search through them all day. This summer, we were doing a little social media thing where it's like, what's your favorite artifact? And we have this, like, taxidermy weasel on display. Yes. And he's really funny looking. And he's just, like, awesome. And then we had, like, a, a little uh, Instagram poll to decide what to name him. And um, I wanted to name him uh, Weasley after Ron Weasley. And Alana wanted uh, Weaselton yeah, after... Yeah, Weaselton after... Well, it's kind of like a frozen slash uh, Zootopia. Zootopia joke. Yeah. And it ended up being 50-50 the whole <laughs> So uh, we decided on uh, Weasley of Weaselton. So yeah. that's I like that artifact because, um, you know, it's got a personal story behind it now. Uh, yeah, but there's honestly so much. Like, I keep thinking of more and more. But I also um, really like on display there's these um, plates from the... What, the Apollo, Apollo Theater, um, which was just down the road from the museum, um, it was the, the theater in Transcona, and 
every time you came to see a movie, they would give away these plates. They had a dish night. Okay, so they had a dish night. if you went on dish night, you got oh, a coupon okay. for a dish. They also had a grocery night where you could win bags of groceries. And it was just right. a way to get people to come in. And then if you got the plate... You could come back and get the bowl, right. and then you could come back and get the salad plate, so. Yeah, I just think that's so funny, and it's, like, just, I, I love the thought of, like, people going to, like, the movies to try and get a whole set of dishes, like, it's just so random, but things like that I love. What is your favorite museum memory? Mine is from when I was doing my museum internship at Civ. I'm going to just keep calling it Civ, but it's Canadian <laughs> Museum of History. And we were unpacking alone. I was working with a friend of mine who was doing the same program I was. And we're in the archaeology storage, and there was a whole bunch of boxes from loans that came back in. And we opened up the box, and there's no paperwork or anything. And it's a little box that has a little uh, mylar window on it, and there's a piece of blue and white striped fabric. And we're like, okay. Um, Looking to find the accession number. Okay, we find that. We go to the computer. We look it up. Turns out those were fabric samples from one of the graves that was excavated like a Franklin expedition grave. And I would just like, oh my God, I'm holding Franklin expedition stuff in my hands. And I can remember being a kid in my elementary school library and finding a book about the Franklin expedition and opening it up and seeing the pictures of the graves, but distinctively remembering the blue and white striped fabric and was like, I'm holding that in my hands. Oh my god, this is so cool. (laughs) So that was my like, yeah, moment. (laughs) Yeah, that is so cool. What about you, Jen? Um, The first one that comes to mind is when I was interning at the National Ballet Archives. Uh, My project was to finish cataloging a lot of the set and costume design uh, collection. So my favorite ballet is um, Sleeping Beauty. Um, So I was working with these sketches. and every once in a while, I would get to go to the costume department, um, chat with the ladies there, um, and see some of these costumes up close. Um, and they're living artifacts, essentially. They're like 50, 40, 50 years old when they were, um, since they were created. Um, but, you know, actually seeing them up close and then seeing them on stage in the performance, mm-hmm. um, that, was really, that was really neat to be able to go from, like, you know, paper to seeing it on stage, and it's just this living artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're beautiful. If you've ever seen the sketches, they're just gorgeous. So kind of to uh, end off our last question, uh, why is museum work fulfilling for you? Going back to what I said before, it's about every object has a story. Mm-hmm. And it's taking the time to find out what the story is and sharing that story. Because like I said, you can put an object out with a title card saying, you know, this is a mug. But it makes it more meaningful and you connect if there's that fantastic story behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're here to do. We don't just put things out, you know, just for the sake of putting them out. We're here to tell the story. We're here to bridge connections, tell the story of Transcona, and, you know, maybe that will inspire a story and a visitor, um, you know, or, hey, I remember that chair, or I remember going to that movie theater on dish night, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's that's the greatest part for me is... is getting those stories when working here this past summer we had a lot of people come through like recognizing people in the photos we have on display or um being able to place um artifacts and like even one lady came in and uh we have a rotating 
um, display case that has uh, a bunch of archaeological uh, artifacts in it. And she's like, I know where that display case is from. It's from the jewelry store that was next door. So even like the small random things like that is just so wonderful to hear. For me, I got first interested in museums when I was I was a little kid and um, there was a museum just down the street from where my baba lived, so I would just go there. <laughs> I don't ever remember seeing any staff there at all. I would just go in and it was had a it had a big larger building and then a bunch of smaller buildings like a one room schoolhouse and a caboose and, and just going in and seeing everything and just loving that mm-hmm. and they had little displays and like an old-fashioned kitchen and I just I thought that was the coolest thing so that just that like sparked my love of museums and obviously I have a thing for history with my degree and everything I I also like that hands-on history I like the fact that we're trying to preserve these stories so because it's it's like the history of an event or of a place or of a person. And, and we're, we're, we're capturing that we're keeping that for, for future generations, but also to not forget that like it's, it's today too. Mm -hmm. It's uh, people always think, Oh, it's a museum. It has to be really old. We'll take newer things here in. And it's the story of what's happening. That, that's basically what we're collecting and all the sides of the stories of what is happening, the good and the bad, because in the future, we want to be able to fully tell those stories and to fully make those connections with people. And mm-hmm. I like it. I <laughs> it. It's kind of an honor too to be, you know, to have the privilege to be the caretaker for history mm-hmm. um, in this kind of hands-on, hands-on way. Um, you know, we're looking after the history of Transcona but you think of the larger institutions, they're looking after the history of a province or, you know, the Manitoba Museum, the galaxy. Yeah, the universe. Right? <laughs> like, they're, they're, we're all defined by our mission statement. So that's that helps guide us in what we do uh, in our work here. And, and every institution should have a mission statement to help guide them and what they collect and, and stuff like that. And it's just, we're trying to do that. And that's through the collecting of, of items, but stories and experiences and photos and, you know, artifacts and, and everything. But it's, yeah, we're, Transcona is a very unique community where it still feels like a separate community just because of the geographical nature of, of where it's situated. But also it has a strong community spirit too. And it's just trying to preserve that and, and also promote it promote Transcona uh, and all its history and the cool things that have happened here and newer things that are happening here and all of that. Yeah, that's very fulfilling for sure. <laughs> like Working in a museum, especially being the curator, there's a very big role on you know, fostering public trust and uh, just caring for items and making sure that they're represented in an accurate and you know respectful way. So there's a lot of uh, things to think about, I guess. All right, so before we end off here, uh, w- tell us what's happening at the Transcona Museum right now. Um, is there uh, anything going on? I know this, this podcast is for Culture Days, so tell us a bit about that, what you're doing for Culture Days. Uh, for Culture Days, we have a number of things going on. Probably after this has actually gone live, we'll have, been, we'll have done an in-person event. We're actually doing two this week, um, this Friday 
the 24th of September. Uh, we're doing it. Ask the curator, but come in and ask the curator. And we'll um, people can ask us any sorts of questions about the work that we do. We may have little demonstrations going on, just anything you've ever wanted to know about museums. Um, and well, then we'd love to talk about what we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Very easy to talk about what we do. Um, and then this Saturday, the 25th of September, we're opening up the fence around the 2747 for people to get an opportunity to get up close to the engine. But also we're talking about our capital campaign that we have going on for the engine where we're fundraising to build a protective structure over it to preserve it for future generations. Um, so we're having information about our structure and our plans available for people to give comments on. Uh, and we'll also have some merch and uh, if people want to purchase that and all the proceeds go back to the project mm -hmm. uh, for those items. So we're doing that, but then there's also a lot of digital things that yes. people can experience um, with Culture Days. Uh, so we're um, promoting our small talks that we've done. A lot of them have been recorded and uploaded to our website and YouTube pages. Um, some of the Craft With Us um, um, <laughs> activities <laughs> that you did over the summer will be available. We have a new VR tour that we had done at the museum, some of the main galleries uh, here this past summer. Um, so you can view that as well as our previous one from last year. Oh, we have a walking tour of downtown Transcona that you can do on your own, self-guided. Uh, there's the windows at 141. So if you've ever visited the museum, um, all our ground floor windows have images um, as you look at the building. Um, so there is a QR code on uh, one of the doors along Bond Street. So you can access uh, the website where you can learn more about uh, the photos and the artifacts in, in the windows. And uh, there's probably a couple more digital offerings, but uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of digital stuff for those uh, for those who wish to access it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I will put uh, the museum's social media and website link in the description of the podcast. So uh, if you want to keep up to date with all of the things happening, uh, definitely follow uh, them and check out the website. Uh, you can also donate on the website as well. Uh, to the capital campaign or just uh, to the museum in general. Also, if you want to visit Alana and Jen at the <laughs> museum, um, uh, the hours are... Uh, right now, it's Monday to Fridays, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and Saturdays, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. We are closed all holiday, long weekends, and all statutory holidays. We are available by appointment um, outside those hours as well. The museum is located at 141 Regent Avenue West, if you are wondering that as well. Yeah, right on the corner of Regent and Bond Street. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today on this episode of All Things History with Amhissa. Thanks for asking us. Thank you. <laughs>